This is Alex Middleton, and today is June 14th, 2019, and I am talking about Stuart Olson, Inc., symbol SOX on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Today's analysis will be discussed in Canadian dollars. Current market cap for Stuart Olson is $95 million, with an enterprise value of $256 million, and a trailing PE of 8. The stock is currently trading at a share price of $3.40, down from a 52-week high of almost $8.00 or a market cap of over $222 million. I currently do not have a position in Stuart Olson and do not yet plan on initiating one in the near future. Up until 2014, the company was known as Churchill Corporation, which was a holding company for a number of its subsidiaries, which it had grown over the years. The decision to change its name to Stuart Olson was made in order to enhance brand awareness of Churchill's largest holding and streamline corporate administrative costs. Stuart Olson is a small conglomerate of Western Canadian construction industrial contracting firms that primarily serve the Western provinces. 75% of their revenue is earned between the provinces of British Columbia and Alberta. Ten years ago, this business concentration was purposely developed as a corporate strategy as the past management believed the commodity boom would continue indefinitely as a result of rapid expansion of many developing economies in the world. Under this thesis, Stuart Olson pursued several acquisitions to grow their footprint in the region, even as activity was on the decline. Management executed this expansion under the belief that they were taking advantage of a short-term dip in the market similar to that which occurred in 2009 before oil prices quickly rebounded. Stuart Olson segments their business into three groups, industrials, business groups, and a commercial systems group. The company primarily benefits from a healthy economy that has large amounts of construction activity and a sustained level of capital spending by both private and public customers. In Alberta and BC, they are particularly exposed to the health of the resource industries. Their industrial group is made up of six separate contractors who provide a multitude of services from industrial insulation, scaffolding, electrical, and MRO services. Ten years ago, this was still a very attractive business to be a part of as there was significant labor shortage in relation to the forecasted growth of new facilities that were in the pipeline in the oil sands region. Industrial contractors were still able to negotiate very favorable terms with their clients, which would generally include compensation terms based on time in the field with a guaranteed markup of 10%. Over time, as the planned project activity started to dry up, labor supply in the region and globally were forced to compete at lower margins and reduced markups and compete on more and more lump sum jobs. This pushed increasingly more financial risk onto companies like Stuart Olson. In 2010, Stuart Olson made a very untimely large purchase of a company called Seacliff Construction, which significantly reduced the cash on their balance sheet from $184 million to $70 million. It increased their long-term debt from virtually zero to $150 million and increased their share count from 18 million shares to 28 million shares. All this was in exchange for a company that has added very little value to their shareholders so far. It only helped the company become bigger, which sometimes seems to be the primary objective of a lot of construction-related companies. Since 2010, the company's book value has gone down from having $300 million of shareholders' equity 
to $200 million, which is a result of poor acquisitions that have not added to better profits, as well as an overly generous dividend of about $10 million per year, or $0.40 cents per share, when the company's earnings have declined from just shy of $2 per share in 2010 to $0.19 cents in 2018. As this, this company will primarily benefit from a resurrection in the foreign investment in oil sands industry, many of their acquisitions the past years may look like duds now, but could look like brilliant moves in the next 10 years. Perhaps I'm not taking a long enough view on their corporate strategy, and perhaps that is how management is selling it to the shareholders. But as I mentioned in the Wayjax episode, this strategy is more of a gamble than it is an investment, and value invest- to value investors, it seem- should seem a bit rational. This type of strategy is very common in the re- resource industry, however, and it might very well work out for the existing shareholders depending on how long they have to wait for the recovery. To me, it reminds me of a bumper sticker that got its way around in the 80s that said, please God, just give me one more oil boom. I promise not to blow it next time. Earlier in the year, Stuart Olson was at the beginnings of a proxy battle with a couple firms based out of New York called Crescendo Partners and Jamrent Capital, who have been shareholders of the company since 2010. The managing director of Crescendo is a man named Eric Rosenfeld, not to be confused with the man of the same name, who worked at Solomon and Long-Term Capital Management. This Eric Rosenfeld ran the arbitrage department at Oppenheimer for 14 years before setting up his current fund. Mr. Rosenfeld is also on the board of another construction firm in Canada called Acon, which had a bid to be bought by a Chinese construction firm about one year ago until the Canadian government intervened. The Crescendo and Jamrent investors wanted management to pursue a sale of Stuart Olson, saying that the market was ripe for getting a high valuation from private equity or other potential acquirers. They contended that the comparable public companies trade at 7.1 times last 12-month EBITDA, while Stuart Olson only traded at 5.5 times their last 12-month EBITDA. Based on their knowledge of the current M&A environment in the industry, they had believed that Stuart Olson was worth approximately $9.70 per share, which implies a 173% premium to today's prices. Unfortunately, the battle did not get very far as the activists could not even secure the votes to get their preferred candidates to the board elected at this past annual general meeting. Management of Stuart Olson perceived there to be a large conflict of interest between the candidates that Crescendo and Jamrent were proposing due to their presence on boards of competitors in the same industry. Even though these competitors were significantly larger and mostly competing in a different region of the country. When I look at the financials of Stuart Olson, it's hard to find out where they get an intrinsic value of $9.70. Every metric you could possibly measure this company on since its large purchase of Seacliff Construction in 2010 looks absolutely deplorable, which seems to be the combined co- the combination of a misguided bet on a resurrection of a, con- a construction industry in Western Canada, as well as the company operating and further expanding into a field with poor industry economics, having no, no, to n- no competitive advantage and all while executing poor capital allocation. Currently, the company is trading at about 50% of book value, but slightly more than tangible book value. 
Stuart Olson would have been much better off investing their $184 million of cash before the Seacliff acquisition in a market index in 2010. It makes me realize that the big differentiator with these companies in a cyclical industry is how they allocate their capital in the bottom of their cycle, rather than in the boom times, at least from a perspective of a long-term shareholder. The problem with Stuart Olson is that they had too much money on their balance sheet and management found ways to keep themselves busy. When I compare this to a company like North American Construction, who carried a large debt load when the industry went downwards, they were forced into a position of survival and had to make some tough decisions in order to preserve what equity was left for investors. The corporate strategy that was implemented by North American management was slow at the beginning, but over the course of time, the company ended up refocusing their service offering, ensuring that they were not doing business at unfavorable rates, and reduced their share count by over 30%. All this occurred while the health of, oil in, of the oil sand industry was on a continual decline. Stuart Olson, on the other hand, has essentially done the exact opposite. Because they had so much cash on their balance sheet in 2010, they made badly timed purchases of companies, did not refocus their company on more profitable projects, and they, they diluted their service offerings, getting rid of any sort of competitive advantage or moat that they had in a niche part of Alberta, and have been distributing equity back to shareholders in a very inefficient way. I can only imagine what the general feeling at Stuart Olson was during the commodity boom 10 years ago. The situation reminds me of a quote by Charlie Munger in the book Seeking Wisdom from Darwin to Munger, where management of companies and resource industries can often have too much confidence in their abilities due to past success that had more to do with the supply and demand of the commodity. Here's the quote. Arco was celebrating their huge triumph of making a lot of money out of the North Slope oil fields in Alaska. And the House Council there was an Irishman who was very outspoken and had a fair amount of charm. And he was highly regarded. So he could get away with talking frankly. And the whole group was toasting one another. Aren't we great people for having done this great thing? And this Irish House Council raised his glass and said, Well, I'd like to toast the man who really caused our triumph, he said. Here's to King Faisal. Every calculation we made was off by 200%. All the costs were way higher and the difficulties way greater than we, could, we ever conceived. All the predictions we made were totally asinine and we wouldn't have worked with the oil prices we projected. But along came King Faisal and the oil cartel and raised the price of oil so high that they made us all look good. Let's honor the proper man here tonight. This type of situation seems to be more, co more common when analyzing resource-based businesses where poor management can often be aided by the antidote of high commodity prices. If you knew when the commodity prices would realize a sustained upward price trend, you would put money in the least well-managed companies that were trading at a discount. But timing is always the issue. You cannot wait forever for this catalytic event to happen. Many investors in the oil sands have now been waiting for a recovery in the industry for close to 10 years, while in the same time frame, the S&P index is up more than 150%. In hindsight, perhaps this is what Stuart Olson management should have done with their $184 million of cash on their balance sheet in 2010, rather than making the large purchase of Seacliff construction. Shareholders would have been much better off. Stuart Olson could have been a very 
could have been a very successful company if they had, had held off on typical capital allocation errors. Instead of building a moat by focusing on their niche, they had an ambitious goal of just becoming bigger by bidding on more and bigger projects. Perhaps they can get an offer from a larger construction company at a significant higher price. Eric Rosenfeld seems to be the person who would know the industry quite well, who has his ear to the ground. The board he sits on at Acon is one of the largest construction companies in Canada and has their hand in many infrastructure projects across the nation. I currently rate this stock a 6 out of 10, which I have posted on my website, stockwriteups.com. While I don't like particularly like the economics of the industry that Stuart Olson competes in, or think the management is especially good, it is, however, an interesting situation. Based on care parables, it could realize a large upside in the near future. Not all good investments are with good companies. This would be more like a cigar butt stock with a few puffs in it that attracts a large acquisition value. The downside risk of this stock would be that you are left with a company that has demonstrated poor ability to allocate capital effectively, has no identifiable moat, and may only be intrinsically worth what it could be liquidated for. Other stocks you may want to look at in combination with Stuart Olson are Acon Construction, Bird Construction, and Stantec. That's all I have for you today on Stuart Olson. Please check out the podcast Focused Compounding with Andrew Kuhn and Jeff Gannon, where I recently did an interview discussing the stock North American Construction, symbol NOA on the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange. Focused Compounding is one of the best podcasts investors can be listening to right now in order to improve their investing skills. If you have any comments or questions regarding this episode or any other episodes, feel free to send an email to valuestockspodcast at gmail.com or you can send me an email directly at alex at stockwriteups.com. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. We are not making any recommendations or providing financial advice. I encourage everyone to do their own research before making an investment and or seek the advice of an experienced financial professional. Thanks.